Yo, what up, though? This is Esham, and you rocking with the Connected Experience. Yo, what up, though, man? This is Big Greg, and you rocking with the Connected Experience. This is Premier Pete, and you're rocking with the Connected Experience. Chill. Oh, yeah, this is Jake Prince coming at you live and in living color, and you rocking with the Connect Experience. Yo, what's up, everybody? It's comedian TK Kirkland, a.k.a. T to the motherfucking K. And when I'm in Detroit, you already know what it is. I listen to the Connected Experience. You should, too. Connected. I'm SJ. I'm AJ. And we the Connected Experience. Bro, what's the Connected Experience? It's a lifestyle, the lifestyle, our lifestyle. lifestyle. How that lifestyle treating you? Of course you know how it's treating you. I don't know. I, it's, it's, it's how never, it's treating you. It's you never treating me wrong. How, how is it treated you? <laughs> it's actually treating me great, man. Like on the way here, we was actually sitting down talking about how are people really selling books? Like, right, right. I posed that question to other authors because I am a... Um, S.L. Jackson, an urban fantasy author. Uh, right. You can actually get at me for merch now. We got the Respect Urban Authors uh, line merch, that we yeah. pushing. Yeah, so uh, the, the book is Animal Instinct, The Urban Jungle. That's it's available on, it's ebook only available wherever you get your ebooks from. That's Amazon, Apple iBooks, uh, Barnes and Nobles. Wherever you get your ebooks from, type in Animal Instinct, The Urban Jungle, right. S.L. Jackson. And we was wondering, like, how is authors really sign, uh, selling books? Because it's, Thousands of thousands and th I just put it this way. I go on Amazon. I see thousands and thousands of urban authors. When I go on other websites yeah. about in the book world, I don't see one black person, period, like yeah. author or nothing. So how are these two worlds combining or am I the combination? I think I might start being a combination of that. What you got going on? Oh, uh, man, just excited about the book, excited about the release. Uh, I like to see how it's growing uh, with the people, uh, hear some of the reviews that we're seeing and reading some of yeah, the Yeah, and people got to lead them reviews on right. uh, whatever site you got the book off of or whatever. Lead the reviews. I don't care how you feel about it. Just leave a just, review. Right, yeah, right. Because that – we want to see what you actually think, think about, about it. the yeah, project. Yeah, don't just work. try to give me all fives because you know me or none of that. Yeah, like, I want to yeah. know like how you feel about it, how you truly feel about it, not how you feel about you. me. Yeah, how, how you, you feel, feel about, about the project. Product. Yeah, the product. You got a word? Uh, yeah, I do got a word. Well, you get your word first because uh, these words are going to intertwine with each other. Yeah, my word is uh, agile, which is quick and well-coordinated in movement, marked by an ability to think quickly, mentally uh, accurate or aware. And my word is society, the community of people living in a particular country or region and having shared customs, laws, and organizations. Now, why was that your word? Uh, because we got a producer in the house today, and that is the name of his uh, movement, I'm, I would say, because I don't want to say a crew because I don't know how big it's a it movement. is. It's, it's a, a movement. movement. Like when you look at the credits and you look at everything they're doing, it's, a, it's an actual force. It's, it's some force behind what's going on. So right. that's what they call it. So who we got in the house today? Uh, we got JR Guy Hits, man. So go ahead and introduce yourself to the people, please. Peace, peace, everybody. This is J.R. Lamont, also known as J.R. Got the Hits. And, uh, man, we in here. Right. So let's, uh, Mike, so uh, Pastor Dean hooked us up, and we call him Pastor Dean because that's an inside joke we got. But uh, he always, anytime he, he got know something a lot going on, he know a lot people. of good people. and Like, he put us up on a lot. We put him on a lot. So uh, a couple weeks ago, I say, hey, man, what are you working on? And you got somebody that I've probably never heard of that I want to get introduced to and then he brought you up so tell us who you are where did you grow up at uh first off shout out dean appreciate him for always connecting dots and getting people together uh i'm from originally i was born uh in delaware wilmington delaware okay uh my, my people's moved here when i was six uh and they moved to the burbs uh but my my, my parents church was life for them yeah and you know and at the time when they moved here, there wasn't no, wasn't no black churches in the burbs. So when you say the burbs, what do you mean? Like Troy. Oh, okay. Troy, yeah. like the, the real suburbs. Like yeah. 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 yeah, so um, <laughs> do you do you have any early memories of growing up in Delaware? Uh, I mean, the, the, the main memories that I associate with Delaware were, one, my, my pops, uh, the church that they were at. Uh, he, he was like the, the choir director over the music department. Yeah. And uh, it's a lady uh, who's real big in the gospel world, a legend in the gospel world named Maddie Moss Clark. She was one of his mentors. Her kids are the Clark sisters. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, like there was a lot of stuff that they would do. I would always be at rehearsal with my dad watching him, you know, organize this group of people in order to be able to 
carry out their movement. Now, can your dad play instruments? My dad could play at the time. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he might tell you now that he could still play, but I, I mean, <laughs> you no beg disrespect. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to hear it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, are you the only child, or no? I got a I got a younger sister. She's three years younger than me. She sings also. She, you know, she uh, she's actually a minister of music at a church here in the city as well. So okay. So church seems to be an ongoing thing with you guys. Are are you heavy into the church? I'm heavy into spirituality. 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 We I can tell by the, by, the, by the thing, the crystals and stuff like that. So once you get here, you get to Troy. What are your early memories of when you realized how suburban Troy is? Uh, just for people listening, Tro- this, this is a worldwide show. So Detroit, Michigan to Troy would be like. Uh, like uh, South Central Los Angeles to Beverly Hills. Yeah. That's the best Th- way that's to describe it. That's the best way to describe yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So what was when when you got to Troy from Delaware? Okay, well, how was y'all living in Delaware for for? Did you recognize that Troy was the burbs, or this was like already comfortable? Y'all was it a Jeffersons we came up, or is it like we maintained in our life? You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, when we were in, that was in a good one. when we were in Delaware, they uh, my parents had paid. I was in private school. Okay, um, and the private school, you know, what I mean, it, I w- there weren't a lot of me's yeah. right. in the private school. I remember yeah. uh, towards the end, like towards the latter part of school. Um, or my school there and mind you I started first grade here so that gives you an idea how young I was at the time Okay. but one of my classmates uh, you know she's a little paler than me uh, <laughs> and you're light skinned so <laughs> right 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 so, yeah, you don't have to be politically correct because okay. we want people to understand okay it was a white girl yeah. and, uh, and you know she you know she was feeling me. So she went <laughs> yeah. home, you know, she told her mom, you know, we was going to get married or whatever else. And then she came back to school the next day. and was like, my mom said, I'm not allowed to marry you because if I marry a black person, I'll die. That's crazy. That's crazy. And people think like that. I had a similar story that yeah. I don't have to share, but because people listen to the show, but right. that's crazy that that's how ignorant people raise their kids. And you never know how long she thought that that was true in her yeah. mind. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And, I, and she's I probably always, married to a black guy right, right. now. And we mind. hope so. Yeah, we yeah. hope so. <laughs> yeah. Because like that, that like when kids that young, I don't even, unless you pointed out, they don't see color. She just saying somebody she was attracted to. So obviously she's attracted to black men. So early, 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 you feel what I'm saying? So she, what you mean? She, she, she done got spooked out in her head. Had to marry a white guy who she didn't love. Have white kids that she don't care. You feel what I'm saying? Like all of that mm-hmm. could transpire, right? But I always say to my wife because we have daughters and uh, we've been in different financial situations since we've been married over the past 13 years. But I always tell her we didn't make it if our children are the only. Or if we're the only black people in the neighborhood, we didn't make it. Nope. It don't matter how much we paid to live there. We didn't make it because we always want to put our girls in a winning position. And, yeah, we might think, oh, we live here is great, but we don't go through what they go through at school. Right. We don't understand what they going through at lunch. We don't understand how they're going to identify when they because then what the, what end up happening is when we come when we go to our people house, that's the cousin who talk white. When she in school, that's the black girl. And she could be mixed up her whole life. She had to be like half out of a battle between herself. Between yeah. herself. So once you get to Troy, and when did you discover Detroit? So I discovered <laughs> Detroit right away because yeah. uh, my pops, like I said, he with was Clark working sisters. with Maddie Gloss yeah. Clark. So when they moved to Detroit. That's Perfection the, Church, right? Uh, no, the Winans is Perfection okay, the Church. So perfection. Uh, like Gregory Emanuel, that's okay. where Karen Clark Sheard is. Okay. She married... Uh, uh, a gentleman by the name of well now he's Bishop Drew Shear. You know, yeah. they got kids all in the industry. Yeah. You know, they they run the gospel world. Yeah. For the lack of a better word. For, for, no, seriously. Yeah, see, so my wife used to go to that church back when they was little. Now we only practice spirituality now, but she lived in the Detroit. They went to that church and she just always rave about like she loved the Clark sisters because like she would sit on the pew with them and everything mm-hmm. and like go to sleep on one of their lap and all of that and then when they moved to Inkster like because uh, her parents was heavy in the church also so when they moved to Inkster they had to switch churches and that's what she identified as like the turning point in her life because the church home didn't feel like home mm-hmm. that they went to they went to Greater Grace and Taylor. Okay. You feel what I'm saying? And it didn't feel like home like the church when she went with the Clark yeah. sisters. So so uh they they joined actually not so Bishop Drew Sheard is the son of Bishop John Sheard. Bishop John Sheard is the church that we attended that uh Maddie Moss Clark was the minister of music at. So as soon as we moved to Michigan, uh, you know, my pops went around, checked out a couple other churches and it was like, No, this is 
this is where we gonna go. Yeah. And uh, you know, church was life. And my pops very quickly got appointed into, you know, some positions in the church and whatnot. So, you know, I would go to school in Troy. I would go to <laughs> sleep in Troy. Right. Like after school, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Evenings, weekends. I was in the city. You know yeah. what I'm saying? At that time the church was at Finkel and Myers. Yeah. You know, eventually it ended up moving to Curtis and Tracy, you know what I mean? So like basically Curtis and the Lodge. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I I lived in Detroit, yeah, but I was yeah. in the city all the time. Yeah. So. yeah, so is that where you got your love for music? I I got my love for music, I think, uh, based on inheritance. Okay. Uh, when I was a new baby, before I was born in January, so Christmas come around in December, parents bought me a drum kit at Christmas because I was going in the cabinets, pulling out pots and pans, grabbing straws, right, right. beating on them, you know, before I could even walk. Or yeah. anything, so they bought me a drum kit. So I mean, it just kind of developed from there. And my dad always being in music, it right, right. You know, it right. was subconscious before it was conscious. Even uh, obviously because even with your sister, you said she's over uh-huh. a, a music ministry. So probably the same thing for her, huh? Yep. So you growing up in Detroit, but you live in Troy, and then you're not now. You becoming a teenager, and we going through junior high, high school, like. You say you're a spiritual person, so when did you decide not to, like, technically walk away from the church or separate spirituality from religion? So uh, I was 15. My pops got appointed to a church that was a couple hours away from the house. Bishop Sheard appointed my dad to a church that was a couple hours away. A couple <laughs> hours? Like a couple hours from Troy? Yes, Battle Creek. <laughs> That's okay. super fun. Yeah, that, Battle yeah. Creek. Yeah. Right, so this so, is a two and a half hour drive. Every, yes. Yeah. And so the first service my pops was supposed to take over was the last day of basketball of basketball tryouts <laughs> my freshman year in high school. Yeah. Right, so right. I, you know, my pops go in like, oh, we're going to go and we're going to talk to the coach and this now I'm like, coach, I don't want to hear that. It's not church. You're not gonna be able to persuade him <laughs> to take me on the team because pastor says so. Right, like, right. Not, like this a hell. Right, yeah. And that was the beginning of a resentment. You know what I'm saying? That built up over a period of time, and it wasn't just that. There were some experiences. You know, I, I, I won't, I won't tear down the institution of church, but I'll just say it's a lot of people um, involved in church and. And man, because, people could be yeah, ugly no yeah, matter yeah, where they go and, on Sunday. And, yeah, yeah. and and the bigger the church is, it, it becomes a money grab. I'm not saying that that is what facts. But the bigger the church, the bigger the religious institution, because it's just not church. Because I feel the same way about certain entities that played a part of my spiritual path to sure. just understanding that is way more spiritual. But once it becomes a money grab, yo, God is out the door. That's mm-hmm. just what it boiled down to. But the you know money saying God we trust. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying the people. <laughs> once, yeah, once they know that. So what high school did you attend? Oh, but anyway, the God on the money is uh, guns, oil, drugs, and God we trust. Not the spiritual the Amen. spiritual realm of the Yeah, God. that's Amen. really fair saying guns, oil, drugs. Because that's what keep the world going. Keep it running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what high school did you end up going to? You so, went out there or out here? Yeah, I went to high school in Troy. Uh, I went to Troy High School. My pops got sent two and a half hours away, but he was commuting. So yeah. we still lived in Troy. Yeah. He was just commuting to Battle Creek on the weekends. I was commuting on Battle Creek on the weekends. <laughs> now listen to this, Mike. So... How do you get appointed? Do the big bishop comes like it'd be a meeting and they handed out assignments and it's like you, you go to Battle Creek yeah. or like, is it like a negotiation? I want to stay closer. It couldn't have been. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I put it to you like this. He he got appointed. He had a decision on whether or not he wanted to accept the appointment. Uh, me being who I am now and knowing what I know now, I have uh, certain thoughts about the appointment and why the appointment came. Yeah, I feel like when you send somebody far, far away, it's, it's because you threatened. Yeah, exactly. You didn't have to say it. Yeah, yeah like yeah, why yeah. would I? Why would I you? want the best with me? Because I want people to come here to, right. for the music. Like nobody in this area is going to Battle Creek for church on a Sunday. So just to break it down for the listeners, uh, so Southeast Michigan, uh, Battle Creek is the, the the dead center point from Detroit to Chicago. So it's definitely two and a half hours away from Troy. So I'm saying, no, Detroit to Chicago is the dead, dead in the center. center. Yeah, so it it's is. two and a half hours from Troy because Chicago, four well, hours from well, What else does Battle Creek provide for the world? 
Cereal. Cereal. Yes. Yeah. That's where your Kellogg cereal come from. <laughs> if you Creek. didn't know. Yeah. Battle Creek, Michigan. Shout out to Bria has some people from Battle yeah, Creek. Battle you Creek, know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so join the truth called Battle Creek home too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. See, it, yeah. It be, Michigan got a, a lot, lot of rich on, history. But it's, like more, it's nothing more important than the 6.2 miles that's Inkster. called Angster, Michigan. Yeah. You know Angster, Michigan since 1852 has been contributing to the world. We had the first black grocery store at, on record. Was in Inkster, Michigan. I didn't even know. Right, that. a lot of stuff like that, that though. But we don't want to get into yeah. this. So, so you go to like, <laughs> Man, so hold up, you could have you could have my interest <laughs> on this conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of stuff like it's that. A lot going though. on. Like, a lot of and people. Malcolm X is one of our own because, like, we claim Malcolm X because his first masjid was actually opened in Inkster, Michigan, oh, on Harris, Cherry yeah, and Harris. Harris. Wow. And uh, it was funded by a family that still got a cab company to the day. And the crazy part about all this, my homeboy daddy owned the building now. Yep. And then when he wow. first when when Malcolm, he was still Malcolm Little when he first got out the penitentiary, he lived in Inkster. He got paroled to a house on William Street in Inkster. And then all while he was building the mass jids and my I don't say mass because mass the root word is mosquito. Mm-hmm. It's my you know, it's minute. So mass jid when he was building that in Inks in Detroit, he lived in Inkster. You know what I mean? And right on Williams. We from Williams. Word. But he lived in Angster. But it's a lot of great stories like that. Even yeah. with the first black grocery store. You know what I mean? Like, just just a lot of great stories. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of history. We're going to have to politic about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can chop sure. it up. So, yeah. you uh, you going on. When do you discover that you want to produce? So, uh... Because your name is Got Hits. Yeah, so, it yeah. is. It is. Yeah, I got, so, like, all the while while my pops was doing that stuff with the other churches, he had, like, once we got to Michigan... He had basically let the music go. It wasn't his focal point anymore. He was like, I'm 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 gonna be a preacher. You oh, know okay, what I mean? Okay, okay. And so like that's how he ended up getting the pastoral appointment. Okay. You know, over over in Battle Creek. So uh I'm in high school, I'm playing in band in high school. Eventually my having band and orchestra concerts on the weekend was how I got out of having to go to Battle Creek every weekend. So okay, eventually, right. as far as my parents concerned, it was a concert every weekend. It, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, <laughs> like we played in Ohio. That's the farthest from Battle Creek. Yeah. 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 So, so what instruments were you playing? So I was playing drums. You okay. know, I started out playing drums. I stuck with drums all through, you know, formal training and whatnot. Uh, and then while I was in high school, uh, still playing drums, but because I wanted to go, I, I wanted to stay in, in playing music yeah. or stay involved with music, but I I had already decided I was going to Eastern. Eastern didn't have a music production uh, program per se, but they had music education and music performance. Okay. And at the, uh, at the consultation of my dad, who was like, you know, if you go into music education, there's always, you know, teachers are always being hired. Yeah. So, you know, I, I decided I was going to go and major in music education. So it was I put it to you this way: I knew for a fact I was going to produce music the first time I heard Rosa Parks. By okay, by okay, Outcast. right, okay. okay. Wow, because that really. So how old are you, bro? <laughs> how old are you? Like what? <laughs> you ain't got to say. I, we know you're pretty young. Like that. So that was your influence. Your strong influence was Rosa Parks by so Outkast. I saw. I was. I was. I was in my room watching Rap City. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Rap City. And uh, and Rosa Parks video came on. Yeah. And I'm on bed watching. I sit up. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, I I can't believe what I'm seeing. And then you know they had the little the the break in the middle yeah. with the yeah. pastor playing the harmonica. Yeah. You know that was Big Boy's grandma's pastor playing the harmonica and all yeah. that. And so I'm seeing that, and this is the first time I'm seeing a reflection of myself. Yeah. In the in music. Hip hop. Yeah. And I knew I loved hip hop prior to that, but this was the first time I saw it in like a way that was like. I could, oh, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? And so, like, after I saw that, I was like, oh, I'm, I, I got to produce music. Then I bought the album. And yeah. then First of all, that's one of the best albums any genre that ever <sighs> been released. The Dungeon Family, bro. Like, you cannot, like, the Dungeon Family has created some of the best music in the history of the world, man. Like, yep. straight up. Like, and straight. it's real music. It's real oh, yeah. music. Real yeah. musical. Oh, yeah. So, when you were saying you was playing the drums and stuff, like, it start, I started thinking, like, okay, so he... He has a real understanding of music. So then you go to Eastern for music education. Like, so did you finish for music education? I I think I went to one class my second semester, my first year. <laughs> but you already knew like this ain't that yeah, wasn't I, like I already, no, it yeah. was no pull. Yeah, to I, it. I didn't yeah. have. Yeah, I, I was really there at that point. 
just so I could smoke weed. Yeah. Right. 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 Because <laughs> yeah. right, right. Right. You, you obviously can't smoke weed at the crib. I can't smoke weed at the crib. So I'm yeah. up here. Nobody's really checking on me. I got, you know what I'm saying? I got freedom. And I know when I get to the crib, you know, pops and mom pops run a tight shit. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm at, at this point, I'm at Eastern. Like, I'm just milking for as long as I'm here. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, until they say, hey, what's going on? You know what I mean? And so, like, I made it to the end of, end of that second semester, went home for the summer. And then just didn't go back to Eastern, you know. <laughs> like, I'm what was that conversation like? What was that conversation like with your dad when school was coming back around and you like you because you knew you wasn't going back the, the you moment you got back. when you left Eastern. You knew you wasn't going back. When did he discover that you wasn't going back? I think kind of finessed it through like some mutual conversations, and I tried yeah. to like tie it into like the budget and the finance of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you was I, talking his language. No, nah, like, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, like my 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 dad is is on it, and my mom is on it times times five times five. So I. I believe now that they just let me get away with it. Right, right. They, they just they let you feel passes. like you they was making like, your yeah, own decisions. They basically was like, okay, he's not going to go back and we're not going to have him waste our money. So, yeah. You the know, best cool. thing to do is let him live. So where do you end up now? You're not going back to school. You 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 say Pops run a tight ship. Yep. Are you still on this tight ship? Or when you decide not to go back to school, you decide that you're breaking up? So when I decided I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going back to school, they still wanted me to be in school of some sort. So I was going to OCC. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm going to OCC, and all the while, just kind of it was a like a I'm not producing music per se yet at this point. I don't have no gear, I don't have anything like that, so I'm just kind of lost. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, a piano bar that's in downtown Pontiac. Downtown Pontiac used to kind of jump. You know, yeah. I don't know what it's like now because I don't really be at the clubs no more. But at that yeah. time, it used to be jumping. And uh, they had a dueling piano bar. I went in there uh, on a college night that they had that was, you know, anyone 18 to 21 could, could still get in and just had the X's on their hands. And I saw that they had the two pianos and then a drum kit in the middle and nobody was playing the drums. Yeah. And so, you know, I just came and watched a couple times and then eventually, like, finessed my way up to to actually being able to play along on a couple songs. And once they had me play along, they were like, shit. He can really play the drums. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, so, like this guy's a drummer. Yeah, so like I still could only go on college nights. You know what I mean? Like at that point, I didn't have proper language and know how to be able to communicate in order to turn it into a job. Yeah. Right. But uh, but I was still going on college nights just because I like going and playing drums. Playing the drums, you yeah. You know what I mean? And so uh, I was going and doing that uh, for a while. Um, and then somebody who I had met through there and through, you know, a job I was working at the time because I got a job, you know, waiting tables. And uh, the person had me go with him to a house party. I went with him to uh, to this house party. It was in Southfield. It was like 400 people at this house party. It was spilling out the house. And <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was Southfield and Inkster Road, ironically. Uh, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was Inkster and eight miles where it yeah, was. Yeah, it was people. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so uh, I... Long story short, they were throwing the party because they had a band. hadn't They didn't have a drummer. They really wanted to start a a hip hop band. I didn't know they wanted to start a hip hop band. I just somebody came up to me and was like, "They they they want to play, but there's no drummer. Do you mind playing drums for a little bit?" And I was like, <laughs> "Right up my sure. alley." Yeah. So I just sat down, played. Nobody really. I mean, some people freestyled that day, but I didn't know it was a, a hip hop situation per se. Yeah. Uh, and I exchanged numbers. Call me back, uh, Julius. Uh, my man, he's still my man to this day. We still like brothers. Yeah. Uh, Julius hit me up and was like, um, you know, we really enjoy playing with you. You know, we have a band and we need a drummer. Are you interested in, you know, seeing what's good with that? So yeah. I came down. Like my, One of my friends at the time was like, you need to go because what are you going to be? The drummer that plays at the dueling piano bar all the time? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, right. go. And so I uh, went to, went to uh, the rehearsal. Not knowing what kind of band it was, I didn't ask. Right, but you play drums though, so it really wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then I get down there and there's a rapper. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh shit, we might have something working right now. And that was a, a band I had called Lazy Genius. Lazy Genius. And so, uh, you know, that's that's how I ended up getting from 
just being a musical person into starting to produce music because once I got involved with that right away I was like okay I think songs should go this way and yeah right right actual producing yeah, like yeah, yeah. arranging the because when people hear producer they don't understand that it's a beat maker and it's a producer Puffy is a producer he might not be able to tap them keys or none of that but he know how to arrange it where it makes it a, a super smash hit record you know what I'm saying Puffy introduced me to knowing who the producer was before that I loved hip hop but yeah. I never who the, knew who the producer was when he dropped no way out and during that era just that that, yeah. that you yeah. know that era right after big leading up to big passing and right after big pass and yeah puffy went on that run that he went on that's when i first was like have you ever wrapped your mind around this the notorious big never heard life, life after, after death in sequence the sequence that you heard it in. yeah i know yeah that's crazy and puff got to produce on that because i think i heard somebody say like you're nobody till somebody kills you wasn't the last song so to make that a production that had to be the last song why because after that big ended up being somebody because after he somebody was murdered mm-hmm. you feel what i'm saying now I, that's just to speak to the genius of producing because you gotta know to 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 do stuff like that because mm-hmm. what if that was where uh well, no money more problems was yeah you know what i'm saying like hold her out a whole different, different album, album. Yeah. if you take uh two songs and switch because it's all about the sequence oh, to yeah. me you know what i'm saying that, yeah that's the most and, important and that, part that's the journey yeah, yeah always yeah. so it's like just think about that if that wasn't right there we would feel different about that album and then thus feeling different about the notorious big so when did you start uh getting equipment and stuff like that so you drumming for the band but when did you say like let me get some equipment and start hitting the this mpc and stuff like that so like i'm drumming with the band um and you know we're moving along other people are coming in taking interest taking an interest in like the musicians but not necessarily the mc like yo can we hire this band to do this thing right right because the mc is replaceable when you put an mc with a band in real life like it's like the lead singer it's like the lead singer we could we could put whoever up there as long as we got these guys back there right so uh that ended up leading to like us having you know some some wonkiness i guess uh with with the mc and then the bass player um, at the same, around the same time, Julius copped the motif. Okay, and so he copped the motif, but we didn't have a keyboard player, and so then he and I started taking around with the motif. And then once I saw how you could actually program in the motif, like I started just coming and at, like ahead and just being there and leaving myself there for long periods of time. Julius, because he 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 was single at the time and he had the band, like we we built out the basement like it was a studio right so like i i had you know keyed access everything else so i was just always going over there and i my first period of blacking out making like eight nine ten beats a day came on that motif yeah in julius's basement yeah that was mm, 20 21 at the time yeah so now is julius a part of the uh uh, of the collective with what you do now with yeah the, uh, julius is still a part of what i i do he uh he's he's yeah he's a, a honorary member of agile society agile, agile society. society is uh in addition to it being uh, a movement like legally it's a publishing company okay, okay. and uh and so uh julius is not signed to the publishing company per se yeah but if some work come around that you yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know. you ain't even gotta be signed bro yeah, yeah you know yeah. how it is you you know you, your yeah. family go with you on your run right. right so now why you doing all of this like how is your parents taking it because one thing about music is people who who feel like they can see the future for their kids they never see music in it even so, if they do music right so they <laughs> even always they want you music. to do something else and like i'm the type of parent and i don't i don't see the future for my daughter my future that i see for my daughter is whatever she end up being mm-hmm. what she want to do like right now she like heavy in the art so she buying sketchbooks when we give her her money she know what kind of color pencil she want so i help her with that but if you ever want to stop that okay what else do you want to do for sure you feel what i'm saying like i tell her i always say to her our our thing about college is if you good enough at something they'll pay for your college mm-hmm. so you might as well save have us save money for your entrepreneurship or whatever you want to oh, do yeah. because why would we waste it on college and then you come home and tell us hey i don't even want to go to smoke weed this whole semester <laughs> you, know, right? you feel what i'm saying and i feel like people like when when they got a, a, a outlook for their child, when they say, hey, it, no, they, I want to do they, music, it's like, oh, my God, music. 
and then you do some good stuff in music and it's like I always knew it but you did you feel like they were supportive uh so my my parents have always been uh supportive I didn't always recognize their support right because even they, them not making you go back to college was them supporting uh, you. right them not making me go back to college was supporting me uh they they never you know during the, like they my parents never you know while before I moved out ever said like no you got to get out or yeah. you know what I mean anything like that they did put guidelines on me like oh no if you're going to be here like you you have to be making money right right you know right. what I mean you, like, can't, you have you, to be earning you can't income. be bumming it up right <laughs> yeah. but 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 they were definitely supportive they've always been supportive there's a conflict of interest uh to some extent with the music that I make and in particular, the language that I use in the music I make, because I feel like the themes and the concepts, any church or any church going person right. would embrace. Because, I mean, the music that I make is basically like better yourself, get your shit together. Right. right. Don't make excuses. Right. Me. Because you <laughs> actually push a whole holistic and spirituality meaning with your music. And when did you discover that that's what you wanted to do with your music? Like, when did you discover that you had a voice for that? So I... uh when I went on that journey myself, honestly, uh, it was maybe five, six years ago. I just wasn't achieving success in certain areas that I was expecting to achieve success in. Right. And uh, and different people have been diff- telling me things about myself, and I couldn't see it. You know. Right. So I like I G- give I, us an example. Jr., you're very self-absorbed. Jr., you you know your decision making only comes from a standpoint of what's going to benefit you. You don't know how to be able to see outside of yourself to see how you're affecting the people uh, around you. you now, know? was these things true? Were these things true? Oh no, they were. I didn't. I didn't recognize them as being right, true. Right. But okay. like something that might have came from a woman initially. I mean, my my wife definitely <laughs> uh, was telling me about myself for a long period of time. But then I I got you know brother shout out Rudy, uh, Aaron. Uh, I got brothers around me that were telling me, you know, things about myself. And then I was working with this artist uh, named Phoenix. And Phoenix and I got really close over the course of our working together, like brother and sister. And she would say different things jokingly. But that was serious. And I wasn't catching that they were jokingly (laughs) until she didn't want to work together no more. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then I was like. What's the problem? I'm caught off guard and I'm feeling done, you know what I'm saying, done wrong or whatever else. But I. At some point, you like if your light's not turning on, you're not gonna keep flipping the switch. At some point, you're gonna check the bulb. You you're gonna start. Yeah, yeah. Like, is, <laughs> is it the wire? Is it the wire? You know what yeah. I mean? And so, like, I, I like I just reached a point where I was like, okay, it's time for me to stop trying to turn the light on the same way. It's not coming on. So. Right. So that was your period of self-reflecting. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of people don't do that, right? So, uh, how long you been married? Ten years. Eleven years in August. Okay, I've been married. Shit. 13, I think. Going on 14. Going on 14. Coming up. And like, thank you. And uh, to to even get married, I did self-reflected. You know what I'm saying? I was like, damn, you know, I'm, I'm coming into the same type of roadblocks. And what I mean by roadblocks, I just lived a certain type of lifestyle where everything was a little easy for me with women because for some reason me and my brother were popular so we didn't have to put in too much work if you understand what i'm saying oh yeah for sure like we didn't play sports none of that it just was easy for us and then like you start start to look i was about to turn 25 and i'm like damn am i gonna be doing this when i'm 35 you feel you feel what i'm saying and it was so crazy me and my wife we knew of each other because uh we church when they switched churches when they switched churches they moved down the street from us well, I, and where they moved to Angster, but she, basically she ended up living down the street from me. But we wasn't friends, or if we see each other, we'd say hi because I got an older brother who got kids by her older sister. But we was never involved, and then we just reconnected. We never went together or anything. We reconnected in January, and then we got married in March. You feel what I'm saying? And then even going through the the marriage, like we would do reflections on each. Like you do a self reflection, I'll do one, then we'll do one together about our marriage. And see, is it going the way we thought? What can change? Is it something we both need to change for the marriage? Is it something I can change about me to do this better? And I just don't think people, I think people just automatically run to the negative. Oh, mm-hmm. this ain't working and out. You, Let's you know get divorced. Because I'm, I'm married too. You know what I'm saying? And then I've been married twice before this, but this is like my first real marriage because like I got a wife, a kid, like, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? A home. Are you in and home? Yeah. And my first two marriages were of circumstance. You know what I'm saying? One, I was fighting a case and 
you know, it looked good and we didn't look like we were the aggressors, but we had family support. But anyway, like, so me and my wife, we only been married uh, a year. We got married like last Halloween. Not, we, we going on two years. We got married on Halloween or whatever. And I was trying to explain to her that like, even though we've known each other 20 plus years or whatever, we've known each other as individuals. So you got to look at it as in our marriage, mm. we're in our infancy and it's just like, you, we, we got a nice house. We live good or whatever. I said, but you got to think of it like you looking, we looking at the marriage of it should be here because we looking at people who we were individually. But I said, just think about it as if we was 19, 20 years old and got together and this is our first apartment. Yep. Not technically, we don't live in an apartment, but I just use it that yeah. better for you. know what I'm saying not technically a bad apartment, not none of that, but you, but by being young, you knew this would be the beginning. Now we're 37, 35 or whatever. You're looking at it like, how is this going to, like, how do we elevate from here? Because we already live. This is the best and the worst. You know what I'm saying? Because it's the best from where I'm coming from, the worst from where where I'm I'm going. going. So when you look at it like that, it's like we got so much more to do, even though if this is it, if this is the worst we ever have to live, ain't ain't that bad. bad. (laughs) You feel what I'm saying? It ain't that bad. We eating every day. Perspective. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of people have a perspective on marriage that was given to them by somebody else, whether it's a good perspective or a bad perspective. It was already given to you by somebody else. So before you even try, you going into it thinking, well, my girl got cheated on, blah, 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 blah. But what your girl ain't tell you is they actually had rules to what you can and can't do. And she stepped out of those first. And then you might not saying it's is true and then you might have seen your girl husband with somebody else not knowing but it all be perspective and that's what a lot of stuff even with the spirituality getting back to that like when i decided that i wasn't subscribing to any denomination any like religion i took things from each one of them that i liked my whole life changed because i wasn't bound by the standards of some first of all somebody else's standards that they created you you know what i'm saying so now i'm like Okay, I believe in a higher power. He believe in a higher power. We don't believe necessarily the same thing about that higher power, but I know it's a higher power. You can't mm-hmm. that's the only part you can't take away from it, whether you call him Jesus, Allah, whatever. You believe in a donkey. As long as you believe in a higher power and know it's true, my whole world changed. Like yeah. literally. Like And it seemed like that's what happened to you when you started taking heed to what people were saying. And they weren't talking about you, they were talking to you like, hey man. You know, you kind of need to lighten up or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when you when you actually did the self-reflection, like, that's when everything started to open up for you? Yeah. Like, uh, so being raised in church um, and, like, this is something that happens commonly in church. And I, it's not I don't think anybody's doing it on purpose. It's just how a message can get, you know, misconstrued. Like, I, I had this mindset where, like, I have to just, you know, maintain and do a certain amount and then God will do the rest. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like I was always waiting on somebody to come in and like fix my shit for me. Right. And uh and yeah, during that that time period was when I realized like nobody's coming to save you. Right. Yeah, yeah. No matter what you believe. No matter <laughs> no, what you believe. It doesn't yeah. it doesn't matter who you subscribe to. Nobody's no, no, coming no, Nobody's to coming down, <laughs> knocking on your door and gonna be like, hey, all that praying you did. I'm the answer. That ain't how it works. No. You know what I'm saying? That ain't how no. it works. Every single issue that you're facing, you have to solve that problem. Now, yeah. you have to find that strength. You have to find that, you know, within. the will to do it yeah. from within. But even that is from within. within. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, and see, like, people, like, think it's, like, such a big concept. When Like, two things people, like, think are, like, magic, right, is, like, finding the will within and yep. manifestation when it's like really you're really telling yourself that this is possible all i have to do is work for it and then it's somebody else somewhere else that get up some just pop in their head and say damn somebody else want to do this and then y'all meet yeah and that's it's, it it's, literally it's not that's by it. chance because i don't think anything is by chance y'all meet it, whether it's on the elevator you might have been going to the same job every day same time been on the elevator with this person one time and all it only take one question not how are you today but what do you really do i always ask people what especially do you really if, do? If, if i meet them like where i worked at what do you really do i have to know what you really do because no one comes here 
to this job and this is all they do. Mm-mm. People want to write books. People want to do music. People just want to, people want to do podcasts. People want to do something. They just but don't know how to get started. even if you do go to that job and that's what, because we know somebody that working in the plant was their dream yeah. and they achieved that dream and they fucked that dream off because they didn't even think that they can achieve it even though it was super close. <clears throat> but, it's nothing wrong with that being your, your dream. dream. Yeah. And I say, because I work in a plant or whatever, and I, I do a whole bunch of other shit, right? And I tell people two things. First of all, I come to work for a paycheck. So everything outside of what I'm doing, I'm not looking for it to be a get-rich-quick scheme because my earning potential, if I put in half the work at work that I put in with other things, I got great earning potential. And second of all, I'm in the way for the person who's this is their dream. Mm-hmm. So. Right. I know that my time get is eventually way. coming to an end, end, and I'm not worried about. I, I'm, I'm, I started living like if I didn't have my job, I wouldn't lose anything. Because that's what it be. It be people's fear of the loss of materialistic things. You know what I'm saying? So the moment that I start living my life like if I look, I looked at myself and said, "Hey." If you lose this job, you'll probably actually have more. So then I start going to work and I'm a good person. I mean, it, no matter what I do at work is my name on it. So I don't mm-hmm. slack. And other people start trying to take advantage of that. And I had to tell some supervisors like, hey, I don't care about the product as much as I care about my name because I'm my product. So I'm going to do my job or whatever. But if I don't do the job good and you or whatever and you feel like that I won't be here long or whatever, I feel the exact same way as you because you're looking at it as this is my livelihood and I'm looking at it as before I had this job, I still ate good. I still did everything I wanted to do. I still, now I could see, all right, I got myself together. Now I could do more if I didn't have this job. But if I had to have this job, it's ain't so bad. <laughs> you know right. what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. And that's what Grateful people got to no do. What. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I love the hard times way more than the, 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 I love the crying more than the laughing, bro. That's when you really develop the character. Yeah, right? like, I like, like, when, when I set myself up to do something great and I know it's going to be great, I already know I'm going to do it. So when I do it, it's like, I knew uh, that. Yeah, I want I the shit that. to come in the middle of it that you got a deadline and you like, uh, got a flat tire. How the fuck am I going to get there at three o'clock? And it's like one o'clock and you, you got to force, you, you got to, you got to mm-hmm. strap your nuts on. And that's the, yep. the first steps is the best steps to me. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I already seen the end product. Once we put the product in the world, it ain't got, nothing, over, to it ain't got nothing to do with you. You no can, more. you can think every beat that you ever, every production that you ever release slap. But it don't matter if the people don't think that because we get we you, we are creative. We giving something to the public mm-hmm. and then what they giving us is they feedback. So, so you worked with a, a bunch of artists because you actually have on title like I think it's like a 100 songs that you produced that I put up. First of all, how did you get that to do that? Because yeah, that these are like, all like, different artists. So is that a playlist? So uh, you can create playlists on the streaming platforms. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. And so I I. I felt like it was easiest and best for me rather than me saying like, oh, have you heard such and so or have you heard yeah. this or have you heard that? Like, no, nah, just be ready. Just be be on cue. So I just created a playlist. So like if someone says like, oh, where's some, where can I hear some of your stuff? Oh, here. I'll shoot you a link. What you got? You yeah. got Apple Music. You got Tidal. You got Spotify. Right. Yeah. Right. And so the crazy thing is, right, you work with Commission. Oh, yeah. Commission's been here. Oh, yeah. You know Sitting what I'm saying? Sitting that's my, that's my man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I produced me, my, me and... uh. Uh, Crawford, one of the other members of Agile Society, produced. Yeah. Y'all should have came deep, album. man. I like y'all like the Wu Tang of production and shit, but I didn't know that <laughs> until I started reading about y'all. But we got an open door policy, so once they hear your interview, I mean your conversation with us, we know how artists work, we know how producers work. They go say, "Well, how can I get on that?" So when y'all listening to us talk to him, we telling y'all, come just on. set it up, come on, <laughs> because that's about. dope. So. When you produce for artists like uh, Commission and Redman, do you do you do you would you rather be there or would you are you a send it send it back? Let me work with it. I'm a I, I'm a I'm a vibe, energy kind of guy. And I can tell. You know what I mean? Like get in the room with me. Like let's get in the room together. Let's see. You know what conversation comes. Like I like when I send music, I feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I'm doing myself a disservice because part part of the reason why people like to work with me to begin with is because you get around me and you're like, oh, he's like he's a he's a good dude and yeah. he, he 
he studies or he pushes me or he challenges me. There's no challenge if I sent you an email. Right, yeah. right. You know and what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't what, even know how you feel in a day. You know what I mean? couldn't even look at you and be like, okay, I feel like, let me play this. How you like this? How that change you? You feel me? You just taking what I sent you a six pack. You go choose to. Yeah, and if, then, I, if I send beats, I'm sending an email with a bunch of beats. A lot of times the artists are getting in the studio with me. And I'll have a conversation with them for five minutes and hit play and they want the first track. Yeah. Because I'm I'm able to like you feel. know what yeah, to play. You know yeah. what to play. You know what to play. So how did you get you created some content for uh, America's Got Talent and NBC, right? How did that come so, about? So uh was working with uh, a group called uh SOG, uh Larry Callahan and SOG. SOG stands for Selected to God. They're a choir they did. I don't know if you remember the the Eminem Chrysler three hundred commercial. Yeah. Uh imported from Detroit and yeah. there was a choir in the background. Oh, SOG they, was okay. the was the choir. Um and so they did America's Got Talent. Aaron, who was my partner, was the musical director at the time and uh and then also I was playing drums from here and there. But Aaron went with them to New York and then once there basically just had the conversation like, yo, I know y'all have the thing that y'all do. Is that the, the choir that was just on America's Got Talent? Or what no, was no, 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 that's that a different choir. Oh, okay, okay. Choir. That's yeah, you, that was a youth yeah, choir. Yeah, this okay. was 2015. Okay. Yeah, but they was 20, in the, they the were commercial. The last yeah. Choir. Yeah. I, if, you, if you really want to know what I think, because again, I pay attention to different stuff, it was exactly five years, or f- no, four years and change, but five seasons after SOG was on there when they did Got this, the this next choir. one with the kids choir. And they pushed the kids choir all the way through to the finals. SOG went to the corner finals, the judges love but that, that but they else. know that that church, that church audience, they they was they, looking uh-huh. because that's that black audience that they wasn't getting. Mm-hmm. So they like, what can we do? Bring, Bring the choir home. back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh, I I definitely think it was it was strategic on their part with that. But no, uh, we uh, whereas they have different producers that generally work and they have music directors on staff, uh, we you know basically put the bid in or made it known like we we have a sound. And if if we're gonna actually be able to compete in this, like it should be our sound. Otherwise, right. it's not. It's, it's not, not. It's not authentic. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so, you know, they they came. You know, they they had the ability to say yes or no, and then they they rolled with it. Now, I do feel like they nitpicked and had us take certain things out of the performances that were the elements that would have pushed to the SLG top. over. Yeah. But they didn't but, need I mean, that. We, that, that, we that ain't, they didn't need it. Yeah, it, it wasn't. No they TV. need them to win. Now you mentioned Aaron, and uh, you and Aaron just released a debut album not too long ago, uh, Golden Ratio. Talk to us about that. Uh, so Aaron and I are uh, we're eleven years apart in age. Yeah. Who's the older, you or him? I'm I'm older. Okay. So we're eleven years part uh, apart in age, but uh, very kindred, yeah. very very kindred. Uh, like when we met, we met. Uh, it's a church I was playing for in two thousand. Nine? Yeah. Nah, 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 not no. to cut you off. So when you say playing for a church, do you go to church one day? Do you see like the drummer hella whack? And do you step to the art or okay, or they come get you? Well, you know, it's a network of musicians all okay, around the city okay. and whatnot. So, you know, I, I at this point I've been playing and, and moving around the city in the music scene for so long. You know pretty much everybody. And so uh, you know, I've each time when I've gotten hired at a church is because somebody else that I knew was there and said like JR is the person that, that we need on the drum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so talk about the uh, debut project. So, so Aaron and I met in, in, you know, some years ago, it got to, it was 2011. We met, uh, and right away when we met, he came to the church um, that I was playing at somebody, the bass player had brought him in, met him at guitar center that day and was like, you know, I think you should come to the church and, yeah. and, and for this rehearsal. And so he came, I'm, uh, you know, everyone met on that day. Everyone else was trying to get them, you know, to see like their, Look me up on Google, this and that, whatever else. I was like, I'm going to the studio tomorrow. You trying to go to the studio? Right. And no time like the present. You know what I mean? And so, like, we went the next day. We were working on a project. My sister was doing a live recording session. And so we were writing for that. We went in. We wrote, like, three, four records that and day. And this is the second day y'all mm-hmm. met each other, yeah. And so, you know, we just kept working from there. And then, you know, not long after that, was like, you know, um, let's start this, you know, let's start this unit. You know, came up with the name Agile Society, kept moving, and uh, it just developed over time. And then Aaron, uh, late, after we finished the the project uh, with the artist feeding, as I mentioned earlier, yeah, um, uh, 
after all that happened, he ended up eventually moving to L.A. He was going to L.A. to go to, to UCLA majoring in neuroscience. He had a... Uh, his dad lived out there. Okay. And he got So he's a genius, neuroscience. Yeah, he Aaron is, is <laughs> yeah, like he's something neuro, else. Yeah. He's something else. So uh he he moved he moved out to LA. Um and I was still here and we were just, you know, talking back and forth and, and encouraging each other because both of us at the same time were like on a very, you know, self reflective period. Right. And um and like over the course of, um, like, I got really heavy into meditation during that time. Right. And, like, during one of my meditations, I, I, I had this visual, like, coming out on stage. It was, like, huge stage set up. And I had a microphone in my hand. And, like, to the point to where it almost jolted me out of my meditation when I saw the microphone in my hand. Like, I... I, I play drums. I, that ain't me. I play drums. I produce. You know what I mean? Like, I do my thing. I'm not... That's not me. And, um... And the name Golden Ratio and everything came all during that meditation. And so I told him, like, bro, I think we're supposed to do this thing. Uh, I know it doesn't make sense, but, I mean, let's just we'll see where it We'll goes. see what happens. And I like, mean, but, we, okay, so why wouldn't it make sense, right? Because you're telling the story, right? Mm-hmm. But you're telling how you are, y'all are already writing together. This is the second day y'all meet each other. Y'all write these records for your sister. You already where you at. Because people put you in a mix. Somebody met him at the guitar center and basically brung him to you. So they brung them somebody that they didn't know. Y'all hook up. And even in the midst of y'all both on y'all spiritual journeys together, he leaves. Like it it literally makes all the sense to to me. You hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but was it didn't make sense because it was scaring you at the time to see that? I so People tried to get me to sing or, you know, do different things over the years. A lot of times when I was in fourth grade, I sang, uh, I, I like, uh, my school did uh, Peter Pan. And yeah. I played Captain Hook and, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I killed that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> so, yeah, like, you still can remember. Like, you know what I mean? I, yeah, like, I was Captain Hook. Yeah, so, like, uh, <laughs> Every time you see a Captain Hook, he'd be like, way better. I'm my shit in fourth grade, nigga. <laughs> So, uh, so, um, but like after that, I didn't really do any much vocals other than just Diddy for real type of stuff. Like, oh, I'm gonna jump on the hook here, jump yeah, on the hook there. Right. Like, I, other than that, I like was out of it. But like being the main featured vocalist for a project, I couldn't wrap my head around it. But I told him about it. We, you know, we we set it on the floor and then kept moving, going on our you know past doing the, what we were doing. He ended up, you know, he started. He went to school to L.A. for neuroscience, but then ended up going to uh, an audition for I can't remember who the first audition was for, but that ended up leading him to an audition for Solange. He got that gig um, as a what backup singer? As a as a oh, because he's still key, playing. Yeah, the Aaron is an, as is is uh, I don't know what the word is that you would call him on on keys and arranging and just music, but he's 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 cream of the crap out of this world. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he got the Solange gig, and uh, around the same time that that, that happened, um, did the song. The first song that was actually done was Face Off. It's the the last song on the album uh, other than the outro. But did that song first and sent it to him like, you know, what are you thinking? And I'm thinking, like, it's quirky, it's weird, it don't sound like nothing out there. So, you know, like, it's not, it's, it's just me just making progress. And right. he was like, Nigga, I love this shit. <laughs> <laughs> it has been all ever since. <laughs> I was like, for real? Yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right, right, so right, like right. then then from there, we just started, you know, really picking it apart. You know, send him track ideas. He sent me track ideas. Um, you know, we were just building it. He would come back, you know, for like a couple weeks at a time, stuff like that. We lock in the studio, knock out, you know, three, four songs at a time, or sketch out, really, because that we were doing a lot of sketches uh, shells and you stuff know, like that over the course of until this past august we did a a, a three-day lock-in writing session at the studio you know I invited out a bunch of people i know from the area it's just like you know we just get in the studio and just i'm Vibing wrapping out, up right. this album and i i like i would like the energy of, of my loved ones in there, the, right. involved in the album so right. uh put out the call everybody came in we knocked out a bunch of stuff then and then just put finishing touches to to wrap the album and it tells a story now or it's a journey now, but it was really just we making the songs and then right, afterwards. Right. Okay. And then the sequence yeah. plays such a perfect part. Something else that was interesting about you to us, uh, you got your own loop kits? 
Yeah, Limitless Loops. Limitlessloops.com. Spell yeah. that out for them so they get L-I-M-I-T-L-E-S-S-L-O-O-P-S dot com. So we'll talk about how that came about. So, uh, you know, now in, in 2020, most producers don't, uh, well, I won't say most producers. A lot of beat makers are, are sitting down and they're just grabbing loops from here or from there. Yeah. And not to differentiate from quote unquote beat, beat makers to quote unquote producers because there are a lot of people who make beats with loops but then can get in the room and produce the hell out of a record. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like no shade either way. But uh, because I see that that's how people are making music. I could either watch it or I could be a be part, part of it. <laughs> right, right, right. And y'all, y'all, uh, y'all society is is basically y'all want to heal humanity. Explain that before we get up out of here. Man, people fucked up, bro. Uh, a thousand percent, <laughs> a thousand percent, <laughs> like, yeah, like, a thousand percent. Like, I, I, so, the way people get mad over like somebody cutting them off on the road. Or somebody stepping in front of them at Starbucks, you know what I mean? Like, or like the way they the way they cuss out the barista at Starbucks for taking yeah. a long time to make their drink. You didn't have time for this shit. Go to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. stop coming in five minutes before you got to go to work. But I think all of that can be cured by the basic manners. Please, thank you. Excuse, Excuse me. me. Yeah. Just because I mean I might be in a rush, but if I stop and say, you know what, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to bump into you, and keep it going. You don't even have a reason to be mad. It's not. It's not an argument or nothing. I'm sorry. I'm just. Yeah, trying to get I to think work. people just can't wait to be mad at something. Like I used to be one of them people though. So like, but I learned so much stuff about you, yeah, dog. Yeah. Like I, I can't wait to be mad. Like okay, so like, okay, so referring back to work, right? Okay. I could go to work today. I didn't go to work yesterday, right? So I could go to work today and I could either walk through the door and prepare to be mad at all the possibilities that I could feel like could give me a bad day. Or I could go in there and accept that whatever's done, I'm here for however long I'm here and I have to do it. So if I'm here for 12 hours, whether I walk in and got to get straight to work or whether I walk in and don't get to work to six hours within the shift, either way, I'm going to be there. So instead of, and I get paid by the hour, not the crank. So if I go in now, I go in with the attitude is, whether they did a good job or not, I'm still gonna do a good job. And I, I some days I rather get right to work so I could chill for the rest of. The, or some days I might just let it play out. But I used to go in prepared for what was what ultimately I was causing a problem for myself because yeah. the person who left me fucked up didn't care that they left me fucked up. Yeah, that's internal. That's internal, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's a lot. It's a lot of that. Yeah, right. But that come with adopting a new mindset. mindset. I'm not go uh, let what's going on in these walls affect me. I'm here for eight hours or whatever, whatever somebody's shift may be. I'm here for eight hours and I'm gonna work and that's it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm enjoying myself while I'm here. Yeah, I gotta do is I, I gotta yeah. I I can't let this drive me crazy because that is what a turn in the road rage. Now you coming home mad about some shit that some people did at work or something that ain't getting yeah, exactly. That's what you. I'm saying because you people be saying? waiting to be uh-huh. mad. And so what steps are we taking to help heal humanity? Well, it starts with taking music back to music being, um, you know, what it music being used for a healing process, uh, like. Everything in the universe has sound. Everything in the universe vibrates, uh, and and music is just a communication of, of that. Of, of that. Uh, and back, you know, early to mid twentieth uh, century, uh, Rockefeller Institute and some other you know people were involved with changing what is considered basic tuning. Yeah, cause they they made the frequency higher. They changed right? the frequency and made it just a little bit off, which creates a dissonance. And, yeah, and scientifically. Dissonance in humans breeds fear. Right. Fear breeds submission. Right. So and it was really just like a, a smudge. Just enough. Yeah, like a micron. Yeah. We're talking going from 432 hertz to 440 hertz. Yeah. So I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the tiniest little bit, but yeah. uh, you know, knowing that and and then understanding the correlation between the different notes in the scale and and then playing in church and seeing like, oh, okay, when I play this chord combination, it incites this in people, and we're all again, right? We're you all know, made you, of you water. It's all vibration. So right. you realize, okay, if I can create these vibrations, it's going to create this reaction in the body, which will create this reaction in the mind, 
You know, so you're using the music for what is really the purpose that it is used for because, like, you are absolutely right. Because funerals only sad when they play the music. That's it. <laughs> Literally, like it, when not, the people are talking and they're telling all them stories. It's all love. It. Yeah, as soon as they love start it. playing that music, people get to crying. So, what if people want to get at you, man? How could they get at you? Oh uh, man, I'm on Instagram. I am jr dot got dot the dot hits. Jr got the hits with periods in in between. Yeah. Uh, if you need to shoot me an email, if you want to do some work, whatever, uh, jrgotthehits at gmail.com. Right, right, okay. right. Uh, you know, on Twitter, it's just straight up jrgotthehits. Okay. And then talk about a couple you, we know y'all just dropped the debut project, but what's something else that you would want people to check out? Of course you got the, well, really they can check out your playlist. They can just type yeah. that in. I'm a title user. So that's what I, there <laughs> let's we go. Do it all. There we go. Yeah. But uh, if, if anybody, if you actually go to, uh, my Instagram page or my my Twitter page, you'll find all my links there. So the links to the playlist on Title, right? Because you got to a link tree, right? Apple, yeah, correct. Well, that's the best thing, hey, yo. So yeah, you got play, you got Title, Apple, Spotify on there. You got the loop packs on there. You have the Adult Agile Society website on there, and then we built a a, a site specifically for Golden Ratio. Uh, it's streamgoldenratio.com. So whatever you know, streaming service you. You know, prefer. subscribe to you prefer you can be able to access it from streamgoldenratio.com or you can stream it directly that was dope so AJ idea. if they want to get at you what they do uh, on Instagram and Twitter at TCE pod that's at TCE pod if you want to be a part of the show uh if you want to be a part of the show, advertise, leave feedback, just want to reach out and say, hey, I listen, I appreciate what y'all do. Uh, PR at T-C-O-H-H dot org. That's PR at T-C-O-H-H dot org. What about you? If they want to get at me, they can follow me on the Instagram at SL uh, Jackson, the number three, SL Jackson, the number three. That is my author page because I am urban fantasy author, SL Jackson, which has nothing to do with podcasting SJ, which has nothing to do with the rapper that used to be twin. Because I'm just a different person when I do all these other things. So if you're looking for the book and thinking about me being other, one of the other people that you know me to be, that's not what you're going to get. This is fantasy. I'm having fun with it. I'm living my life like that. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Because one don't affect the other. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Hey, hey, we appreciate you for definitely your time. Definitely appreciate man, you, appreciate bro. Great story. We're going to have to get some of your Bring the whole up society here, up, up here, bro. Up the Wu-Tang of Beats. We're yeah. going to make it happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Wu-Tang of production. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, it's, a bunch of, it's a bunch of like rappers and oh, it's other artists. Whole, it's a collective. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I was looking at them credits, and I knew that them credits on that <laughs> website was production credits. You know what I'm saying? But you know, man, just... Once the fellas, I mean, once the crew here, what we got going on, they want to be a part of it. Don't hesitate to reach out, bro. Oh, no, we family now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we rocking for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He said he was up there smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm SJ. I'm AJ. I want for my brother what, what I want for myself. myself.